0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All righty, final hour on this Wednesday edition of the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Still have an entertaining 60 minutes of radio for you. Devin McCourty going to join us coming up 20 minutes from now. And we'll have him preview that highly anticipated Sunday night football game, right? Between the Raiders and the Jets. Also, we will go around the NFL with the former New England Patriots and Rutgers safety. Uh, Two things right now on Twitter before we get to a little Take 5 Wednesday. Uh, Adam Rittenberg, who works for ESPN and covers college football. Michigan has sent its response to the Big Ten. As school officials tell ESPN, Commissioner Tony Petitti now must decide how to proceed with potential discipline. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do believe Tony Petitti is going to put some sort of suspension on Jim Harbaugh. Then this will go into the courts. This will become a litigious situation. Jim Harbaugh will be granted an injunction, a stay, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a legal expert. And he'll still be able to coach this year. And then it gets punted. Until next season, and we'll see if they could get um, a, a final outcome there, or maybe Harbaugh just says, "Yeah, I'm done with all this crap. Let me just go win a ch- national championship this year." If he does it, or just live with the results of however it goes down this year, and then you bolt back to the NFL. But if the NFL teams don't come calling, you don't get offered an NFL job. Then you go back to Michigan, and you got to deal with whatever punishment is agreed upon. So that's the latest with the Michigan scandal. And then uh, Ron Washington has been hired as the Los Angeles Angels manager. Jeff Passon. I didn't originally see this tweet because Jeff Passon blocked me on Twitter. And it all goes back to when he got the Francisco Lindor story wrong a few years ago that Lindor wasn't going to get a new contract with the Mets. And then 15 minutes later, uh, Francisco Lindor signed the contract extension. All I did was post his old tweet to another radio host that had beef with Jeff Passan and was like, oh, your guy ended up getting the story spot on and kind of like just said it in a joking fashion. And then there was this big baseball news. I forget what it was like weeks later. And everyone's like, oh, did you see the Jeff Passan tweet? I'm like, no, I didn't. And I followed Jeff. And then I went to Jeff's page and was like, you got blocked. So Jeff Passan is like the most ultimate sensitive person out there. But you had the power to block whoever you want on Twitter. But Jeff Passan had a little typo which I did not see on Jeff Passan's Twitter page because I got blocked, but Awful Announcing, who does a great job. Uh, They tweeted out that they saw the original tweet. Now, here's my question. With the thin skin that Jeff Passan has, does he now block Awful Announcing, who does a really good job in the media world? But Jeff Passan wrote, the Los Angeles Angels are hiring Ron Washington as their new manager, sources tell ESPN. Washington, the former manager of the Texas Rangers and beloved longtime coach now with Atlanta, Gets another S-word. I can't say what he did. And it's with the Angels. John Heyman was on it. That's the other thing. So like John Heyman breaks this story. And Jeff Passan tries to take credit for it. With oh the Los Angeles Angels are hiring Ron Washington as their new manager. Sources tell ESPN. That's not your story. You even admit at the end. Oh John Heyman was on it. So that's kind of lame by Jeff Passan, and it's kind of karma that you spelled a word that he didn't want to write. Like something you would do when you'd be going to the bathroom if you catch my drift. But the actual word that he was looking for was another shot with the Angels, not what he actually put out there. So I enjoy uh, Jeff Passan messing something up. And there's an edit button now, so he fixes it, thinks, oh, no one's going to see it, but everyone see something when you put out something that is as funny as that. And in the large scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. I, I think you should have left it up. <laughs> I think it would have made better, especially if Ron Washington goes on to win a championship with the Los Angeles Angels or has great success. It's going to be funny that now we're always going to remember that tweet when he got hired. All righty, let's get to a little Take 5 Wednesday right here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. My top five teams in the NFL and college football right now. As the dust settles from last week's games, it's time to look at which teams are rising and which are falling. And there's an interception. Zach ranks his top five NFL and college football teams on this week's edition of Take 5, only on the Zach Gelb Show. All right. I believe in a system of checks and balances. So Sam, I'll ask you a quick question right out of the gate. You want me to go with NFL or you want me to go with college football first?
2: You know, we've done a lot of college football today with uh, the college football playoffs. Let's start with the NFL.
1: Okay. We start with the NFL. By the way, Devin McCordy going to join us 15 minutes from now to chat some NFL. Uh, In at number five, welcome back to the top five. Haven't been there for a while. The Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are now rolling. The Bengals are back. The Bengals look like they are a Super Bowl contender. And in back-to-back weeks, you have two huge, enormous victories against the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. And there was a never a moment in either of those games where I thought to myself, oh, yeah, the Bengals aren't going to win. That defense is kick-ass with Luana Rumo. Jamar Chase isn't even 100% on the offensive side of the ball. Now Joe Burrow is 100%. The Bengals are back in the top five, and they'll continue to rise up this list. In at number four, They got to beat the Chargers. I've been impressed with this team. I would like to see them beat a better quality opponent. But if they lose to the Chargers this week, it's like, okay, do you just have a good team and not a great team? But I love the way their defense is playing with Aiden Hutchinson and Alex Anzalone. Offensively, Jared Goff has turned to be the guy in Detroit. Amara St. Brown's very good, and they survived some injuries the last few weeks as well, especially in the running back position with Montgomery uh, being in and out of the lineup. But the Detroit Lions, love their coach, Dan Campbell. They're in at number four. Number three. I dropped them down a little bit. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. The thing with the Chiefs, and they're coming up a win against Miami, the Chiefs are always going to be dangerous because that defense has been phenomenal. And you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Travis Kelsey. But that offense still hasn't clicked yet on all cylinders. They only had 14 points scored up against the Miami Dolphins because they had that one defensive touchdown. You had all your touchdowns, the two of them in the first half. You did nothing in the second half. I just don't think they're the most well-rounded team right now in the AFC because in at number two of the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, Baltimore just recently dominated the Lions and dominated the Seahawks. The Chiefs lost to the Lions. So that also is why... I got to put the Ravens in a number two. And their defense is kick-ass in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, he is the definition this year of what an MVP looks like. Where even when it doesn't need to be a Lamar Jackson game, you still know he's your most intimidating player on the offensive side of the ball. They did a great job running the football last week. Offensively, it's not as if they have the best weapons in the world. Mark Andrews, a great tight end. But wide receiver, Zay Flowers, a good young wide receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. finally got in the end zone via Tyler Huntley. But he's not a great wide receiver anymore. The Ravens right now have the look of a super team as long as number eight is healthy. And in at number one, fly Eagles fly right into your bye week on the road to victory. The Eagles are 8-1. And And we had James Bradbury on yesterday from the 8-1 Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm like, James, there's people that are saying, you guys are not that good and you're 8-1. And, and I still don't think the Eagles have played their best brands of football, but they're still, once again, 8-1. and one. So if they could get even better, it ain't good news for the NFL. So my top five teams right now, Bengals, 5, Lions, 4, Chiefs, 3, Ravens, 2, and the Philadelphia Eagles in at number one, Michael Santor. Speak now, or forever hold your peace.
2: I mean, they can't beat teams above 500. but when that offense gets rolling, the Dolphins are dangerous.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, though. They're dangerous on offense, even though up against Kansas City, they only were able to score two touchdowns, and that occurred in the third quarter. The reason why I can't put the Dolphins in there yet is they can't beat a team in a big game. Their three biggest games of the year, they lose to Kansas City, even when Kansas City didn't play their best. They got blown out by the Buffalo Bills, who are not even a great team this year. And then they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I can't put the Dolphins in the top five.
2: The Jaguars are coming.
1: They are. And I like Jacksonville a lot. I'm a big fan of the Jaguars, but the one skepticism I have about them is that Chiefs game in week two, their offense only scored nine points. I got to see them go out there, and they have an opportunity this weekend up against the 49ers, a good team. You got to find a way to get a win up against a team like the 49ers to show up against one of the quote unquote better teams in the NFL, you're able to get the job done.
2: And then this team, I think, you know, they're struggling right now, but when they get things back together and they get Debo back, I still think the 49ers are as good as anybody else in the NFL.
1: And you have the 49ers and Jaguars this weekend, so that's going to be a fun game. Um, You're not wrong in saying that. And Debo coming back this week is big. But they've lost three in a row. And there's now questions about Brock Purdy. And let's see where that health is for the rest of the offense moving forward. And you just got Chase Young, too. They are as talented as almost any other team in the NFL. But when you lose three games in a row, I got to take you out of the uh, the top five. But that's a fun one this weekend. 49ers and Jaguars. Oh, that game's in Duval at 1 p.m. Eastern. So we'll see if the flight uh, time difference when you travel makes any of a, a difference for The uh, 49ers in that one. All righty, that's the NFL. Now let's go to college football, and we will do so quickly with Devin McCourty joining us in about 10 minutes right here on the show. In at number five, got USC this weekend. Only have one loss. It's to the team that the college football playoff committee put in at number five, Washington. Oregon is as good as, as well-rounded as any team in the country right now. And you just got to see if you could survive the rest of the Pac-12 and get back to that Pac-12 championship game with a hopefully a rematch against Washington. Because you stumbled once when you missed that kick at the end of the game. You can't afford a second loss if you want to go to the college football playoff. So I love what Dan Lanning's doing. Bo Nix is sensational. Oregon in at number five. Number four, I'm a big fan of this Florida State team. I take a look at Florida State. Jordan Travis is tough as nails, and Mike Norvell is a good coach. And as I just said to our caller Mike uh, a few segments ago, I'm very happy that Florida State had patience with Mike Norvell because the last two years he shows how good of a coach he could be. Um, I know Florida State didn't have their best game of the year up against Pitt, but it's like they know what they need to do. They just need to survive in advance and win their next three games, win the ACC championship game. They'll be undefeated. They'll go to the college football playoff. Good one this weekend up against Miami. Uh, Number three, it is Washington. Washington beat USC the two weeks prior You know, every team has some sloppy performances, but as long as you win, that's all that matters. Michael Penix Jr. right now looks like he's the Heisman Trophy winner, and we'll see what transpires the next three weeks. But Washington with Kalen DeBoer is in at number three. Number two, it's Michigan. When I talk about well-rounded teams, and I mention Oregon, and I say they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the country, Michigan may be the most well-rounded team in the country. With that defense and then an offense, you have a really good offensive line, even though it has been some problems recently with the tackles. And you got J.J. McCarthy. Who I think's gonna play his best ball in the final month of the season. You saw him elevate his game last year up against the Ohio State. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, lethal one-two punch. And Roman Wilson is one of the more underappreciated wide receivers in the country. He's a touchdown machine. Colston Loveland is phenomenal as well. And I do believe Jim Harbaugh will be on the sidelines because Harbaugh will get suspended, but he'll get the injunction, and he's not gonna miss any games this year. And then finally, in at number one, good win for Georgia up against Missouri kind of like Michigan. Now their season starts when you increase the competition. But uh, until someone takes down Georgia, I got to say they're the team to beat in college football. So my top five teams in college football, Oregon in a number five, Florida state in a number four, Washington three, Michigan two and Georgia one moist. Mike speak now forever. Hold your peace. I'll forever hold
2: my peace. Hmm. Uh, so you're leaving out two, one loss teams Uh, Obviously, Texas beat Alabama, but Bama is rolling in the SEC. So, why are Texas and Alabama not in consideration for your top five?
1: So, Bama was a team that lost to Texas. So, let's start there. If Texas isn't in the top five, I can't put Alabama in the top five. With that being said, I'm now buying more stock in Alabama, especially after that second-half performance against LSU. And that defense for Alabama is lethal, And Jalen Milrow has been great on the ground, and he's figuring it out right now. And he's really improved the last few weeks. That performance two weeks ago against Tennessee, or three weeks ago against Tennessee, because they had a bye sandwich in between, was awesome. And then he was just a force on the offensive side of the ball. But for Alabama, even though I'm buying stock in them right now, I'm not going to say they're a top-five team until they get to the SEC championship game and beat Georgia. So I have to hold them off for a little bit and as for Texas, Malik Murphy has been fine. But really, ever since that loss to Oklahoma, and now that is not even age worse when you just lose with the way that Oklahoma's performed recently, they just haven't popped. Like, they barely beat Houston. They needed overtime against a solid Kansas State team that won the conference last year. All right, you beat BYU pretty good, 35-6. to 6. Texas just looks like it's kind of been a little bit sloppy ever since that loss to Oklahoma. Now they still have everything right in front of them to go win the Big 12, and we'll see when Quinn Ewers comes back. But uh, Bama and Texas, I just can't put them in the top five right now. Anyone else?
2: There's one glaring yeah, team I that you're missing. The number mm-hmm. one team in the nation doesn't even make your top five. The Los Ohio State Buckeyes.
1: So let's do this real quickly, Stu. I want to play Boo Corrigan again from ESPN last night. This is why the committee... Put Ohio State over uh, Georgia for the number one spot.
3: I think the key in, what, in the question, Reese, is they're not mutually exclusive. It's not one or the other. You, you know, as we look through it, you can tell by our rankings right now with Ohio State and the big wins they've had, including last week, over, you know, a top-20 defensive team in Rutgers. Come on. In boy. Georgia and the way they've played their games, big win over Missouri, um, you, you know, the other wins that they've had this year.
1: That answer shows why they shouldn't be one. Oh, yeah, their great performance up against Rutgers. You know, Rutgers is a tough team. Rutgers having a good season. But let's not act as if they're this great football team and people are shaking in their boots when they go up against Rutgers. I just don't believe in Ohio State. I love their defense. I love Marvin Harrison Jr., but the rest of the team I have big questions about. I don't trust Ryan Day in a big spot. And then also with the quarterback, Kyle McCord, I don't think he's all that good. Or not all that good right now. Maybe he turns into be a good quarterback. But in their two biggest games of the season, I thought Notre Dame should have beat them. And against Penn State, I was impressed with their defense, but their offense showed major flaws. I just simply think Oregon, Florida State, Washington, Michigan, and Georgia are better teams that they had to go up against Ohio State. All right, that's take five on another Wednesday right here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Five, Oregon. Four, Florida State. Three, Washington. Two, Michigan. One, Georgia. And then in the NFL, Bengals five, Lions four, Chiefs 3, Ravens 2, and the Eagles sitting in at that number one spot. What's the future of Bill Belichick looking like in New England? We'll also wrap around the rest of the NFL with Devin McCourty, who's a former world champion, multiple Super Bowls, won them with the Patriots, played at Rutgers, and uh, now is doing a kick-ass job with Sunday Night Football on NBC. Yeah. Devin McCourty joins us next.
4: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: All right, righty, we continue this is Zach Gilb show coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go out to the guest line right now. And it's bizarre to call this guy a former NFL safety, but he was drafted out of Rutgers. First round, 27th pick overall by the New England Patriots. Played his entire career with the Pats and won three Super Bowls. And now he's fresh off the football field right to the Sunday night football desk. And he does a great job for NBC, and that is our pal Devin McCourty. D-Mac, always appreciate the time. Thanks for it. How you been?
3: What's up, Zach, man? Good to see you. And uh, we're not at a Super Bowl. We usually see yeah.
1: each other uh, always at the Super Bowl <laughs> on Radio Row. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. So I appreciate you jumping on board. Uh, you've been good on TV. We knew last year as your adorable kids now in the background. That's great. So we see the entire McCordy family. Um, I know last year you tried out some TV work with CBS during your bye week. How have you been enjoying the NBC experience so far?
3: Man, it's been awesome just to, to be able to, to be around the game, but also you know not having my body go through the torture and the hard times of that. Um, I'm just okay. they get play break, and then <laughs> you know I think uh, you know with NBC allowing me to even do player interviews, so sitting down with Jamar Chase and. Obviously, Matthew Judon, who I got to, you know, play with. And then Jason Kelsey has been a whole nother, you know, experience. And um, that's been fun. So I've enjoyed every minute of them calling games uh, for Westwood One Radio. Uh, So that has been probably, you know, one of the the neater things to be on the field on game day, talking to guys on the sideline and then still getting that kind of rush, calling the game and being involved in the game. So I've enjoyed that as well.
1: Like it's important to get that football fix, like you're saying, so you're not detached from the game. But it's still tough first year out, where you like kind of wake up and you go, "Oh, it's game day." How much do you still miss it? And and you wake up some days and go, "Man, I wish I was still playing."
3: Uh, I have not woken up not one day and said, "I I wish I was still playing." Really? Um, I haven't, man. I think, I think for me too, I, I had a chance to still play this year. Um, you know, even before announcing my retirement, like I never even contacted Bill or had any conversations about coming back because I wanted to make that decision for myself um, without anybody else talking to me. So um, even this year, one of my friends reached out to me and was like, yo, one of our personnel guys was like, do you think he would be interested in coming back? And I just don't, man. I I think football was an awesome time in my life. Like I had so much fun playing, Uh, but I think it was time. I think, you know, Everything I was able to do in New England um, with the guys I was able to do it, it was special. Um, but, you know, only thing that I do miss is the camaraderie, being in the locker room, um, being around the guys, the laughs, the jokes. Um, and I've got a little bit of that with NBC. You know, Sunday we watch all the games together, so I still get a little bit of that uh, rush. But, you know, actually going out there and playing the game. I like this side. I win every week. I haven't lost a week yet since <laughs> retiring. So that that's a lot more fun.
1: <laughs> now, with that being said, Devin McCourty, you're a championship player. You live for the big moments. It's one thing to pass up those phone calls now. Phone call comes in December with like three weeks left in the season. Hey, Devin, <laughs> we just lost our safety. You got a team that's ready to go win a Super Bowl. Would you then maybe think about returning?
3: If they need a hundred and probably eighty-five pound safety that hits the peloton every few days, uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'll be much of a help. Uh, if I do get the call, the first guy I will call, I'll call Eric Weddle and ask him how it felt. Was it worth it? I know he tore his pec at the end of it. I talked to him after they went on that great Super Bowl run. Um, but nah, like all jokes aside, I I don't want to say like no, I would never do that. But I I would say sitting here right now. Beginning of part of November, it would be really hard for me to think about putting on a helmet and pads again and going to play football. Like I just think uh, it would be really hard to do that.
1: And let's be real. I know why you retired. You may not admit this. You may not confirm this when I'm saying it. But the biggest reason you retired is your brother went to TV. He started to get all the spotlight (laughs) and you go, you have to show him who the best McCordy is and that you're better at TV than Jason. (laughs)
3: You know what, Zach? The crazy thing is, my whole football life and career, I built it up so people would only know Devin McCourty <laughs> playing in New England, and they would always mistake <laughs> Jason for Devin. Then he goes on Good Morning Football. Everywhere I go, people come up to me and go, Man, I watch you every morning. That's You're amazing. Awesome. Man, I love your fit list segment. I'm like, that's not me. I went to I even went to his son's football game while he's in Germany. And everybody was like, coach, I can't believe you came all (laughs) the way back from Germany. I'm like, I'm not him. So I definitely had to come and jump in this field to try to steal his spotlight.
1: That's absolutely cool. Devin McCourty with us. So we just ranked our top five teams in the NFL. I had the Ravens in at number two, the Eagles at one. Would you agree right now that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC?
3: I would take the Ravens. You know, I think – It's always hard. You know, I got an opportunity to play with Tom Brady for 10 years. So you get that one guy in the league at quarterback where you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I ever want to bet against him. And that is Patrick Mahomes right now. Like, I don't know if you ever really want to bet against him. But if you are going to bet against him in the AFC, I'm taking Action Jackson. What they've built, I think that defense is playing out of its mind. Have a really close relationship with Kyle Van Hoy. So I'm talking to him all the time. And what he's been able to do, adding on to that defense, But I think what Lamar Jackson has turned into, he's a guy that can stay in the pocket and throw the ball. He's a guy that can, you know, take a loose play that breaks down and make an unbelievable play. And they're still running him on those QB design run plays, not all the time, but enough to make the defense have to plan for it. And that puts so much pressure on you. Um, I think they right now, I think they're the team to beat, but one of their biggest issues is the AFC North still has Cleveland, Pittsburgh, And probably the hottest team right now is Cincinnati. So um, I think that'll muddy the waters a little bit. Whereas the AFC West with Kansas City, they should probably be able to run through what's left of the AFC West depending on if the Chargers can get it rolling.
1: Yeah, and regardless of what the records uh, indicate right now, I think those are the three best teams in the AFC. The the Ravens, the Chiefs, and then the Cincinnati Bengals. As a defender, out of those three quarterbacks, is it still Mahomes that would keep you up the latest at night in terms of preparation when you look at three great ones in Mahomes, Burrow, and then Lamar Jackson?
3: Yeah, he would because I, I would think about having to play him second week in January in that time in the AFC Championship. I would see him being at the absolute best, continuing to build. Like this team last year in Kansas City, Washington beginning the season, they lose Tyreek Hill. Everybody's kind of like, ah, that doesn't look the same. Like, I don't know. And then by the time we got to January, it was like, man, this team is rolling. They're great. Patrick Mahomes. So, like, that would be the thing that kept me up at night is that guy's probably and that team under Andy Reid is going to probably be playing their best ball at the end of the season. Not to say these other teams can't, but they have a proven track record of being able to do that uh, over the last, you know, whatever, six or seven years that they played in that AFC championship game. Um, that That would kind of keep me up at night.
1: Devin McCourty here with us. I remember that AFC championship game. Uh, It was one of the best games I've ever seen. You guys in Kansas City going up against the Chiefs. We barely saw you on the TV because you were so far down the field uh, just making sure that Tyreek Hill didn't get the football. (laughs) Yeah, everyone goes, Devin McCourty played a great game. I go, I know Devin McCourty starts. I know he's a great player. I didn't see him once on the TV, but you did a great job up against Tyreek. You knowing how difficult it is to prepare for Tyreek, and now what he's been able to do in Miami – uh, with Tua, do you think he has a case if the Dolphins pick up some more wins to maybe win MVP this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, we—I think it's time to stop, you know, naming this basically the best quarterback in the league for the year. Because as we look at these guys, what Tyreek Hill has been able to do is phenomenal. Like we thought Patrick Mahomes is a huge part of Tyreek Hill being successful, and all he's done since then is put up career years and career numbers. And if he goes out there and breaks Calvin Johnson's record this year, and even if he doesn't, just what he's been able to do week in and week out is unbelievable. Like teams have come in and I've come into games and saying we can't let Tyreek Hill beat us, and then you look up and you're like, dang, he finished with 160 yards and a touchdown effortlessly Man, to too. It, it, it's it's remarkable. So uh, I, I do think it's time to you know, especially this year, there hasn't been a quarterback consistently. Like obviously, Joe Burrow is hot right now. Lamar Jackson's had some unbelievable games. Two has obviously played well because he's throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. So you know he has numbers two with you know throwing the waddle, and he's done a great job of running that offense. But I think when you look at MVP, like what the team would be without you know this most valuable player, Tyreek Hill's been that you know I think by a long shot this year.
1: Devin McCourty here with us. When you look at Buffalo, is it just something missing with them? Because like they've been so inconsistent. I think they're just a playoff team. I have no expectations for them, though, once they get into the postseason.
3: You know, I said it before the season. You know, uh, we were, you know, I think in the preseason we had the Hall of Fame game, and we we're talking AFC teams. And I picked Buffalo to have, you know, a fall off. Um, I didn't predict this because I think one of the reasons why it hasn't been the injuries on defense. Yes, Josh Allen and and Stephon Diggs. This offense has been very productive, but that defense has been so consistent. It's led to charge. Okay, go, down, go over there for a second.
1: Um, <laughs> this, this is the defense, live parenting. I love it.
3: <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and the boys are so you, You'll wild, be going this... back
1: to the NFL. Uh, the moment a team <laughs> calls, you're right off to the NFL for a Super Bowl run.
3: <laughs> exactly. But that, that defense, I think the injuries have hurt them. I would love to see them run Josh Allen more. Not not like to the, the way he would get hurt, but like just to make the defense come in and say, hey, we have to plan for Josh Allen running the ball.
1: All right, I got to ask you about the Patriots before we let you run. There was a report by Ben Volen that if Belichick comes home from Germany going up against the Colts uh, this week with a 2-8 and eight record, he thinks there's a chance that the Crafts could make the move in the bye week and install Gerard Mayo as the interim coach for the final seven games. How do you react to that about uh, Ben Volen potentially thinking Belichick could be canned after this week?
3: I don't see it. I think for for what he's done and what that team is, um, I don't see I don't see the coaching change being what gets this team over the hump. Like, Bill's not the issue. Um, you know, I think in this league, and we consistently now, because of the record of how they've been playing, there's a new report every week, right, of it, it'll be midseason, it'll be after the season, it'll be this, it's that. Um, it's a contract extension. So when you're not winning, that's going to continue to happen. So what happens next year, um, I don't see them firing him. But I can't sit here and say that's definitely not going to happen. Like in this league, crazy things happen all the time. But I I find it very hard to believe that what Coach Belichick has been able to do time and time again that you would say, hey, at the bye week, you know, kind of midway through the year, we're deciding to walk away from a coach who's coached us over the 20-plus seasons, All the Super Bowls, Like I, I think that would be very hard to, to envision.
1: We know how important Brady was, obviously, to the Patriot way. With him not being there, though, the team has regressed in a big way. Um, Is it just as simple as Tom is no longer there? Is there more there as why the Patriots have fallen off?
3: Well, again, this is – I know everybody doesn't agree with me in New England because I've said this a lot. I think one of the biggest problems for the Patriots is how good of a coach Bill is. Like, if we look at 2012, I think it was Peyton Manning had the neck injury – and he might have played a game or didn't play any games uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. They won two games that year, I think. Two or three games. They ended up with the first pick in the draft and, and drafted Andrews. Yeah. Since Tom has left, New England has won seven games, then ten games, and then eight games. And then now this season. If they would have just been bad one of those years, they might have had a chance to draft somebody to take over this team not just from a quarterback standpoint, but they would have been drafting in the top rounds of the draft every year since then, whether it was one year or two years where they weren't. Like that's what we've normally seen for teams that have lost a great quarterback. They've been bad. And then they have built that way. But this Patriot team hasn't done that. They haven't, you know, they didn't get the quarterback like, you know, Green Bay did. They didn't draft an Aaron Rodgers to follow Brett Favre, so they didn't get a guy to learn and, and watch for a while. So I think that makes things harder. But it was hard to do that with Brady, right? At one point, you draft Jimmy, you drafted, you know, rest in peace, Ryan Mallet. You have these guys, but each time you kind of thought Brady was at the end, he went and extended his career another five years and won another two or three Super Bowls. So um, I think one of the best things that could happen for this team possibly is this year not winning, getting the top pick. And now not just getting, you know, a good player somewhere in the first round, but getting one of those blue chip players who I think the last time they drafted in the top 10 was Gerard Mayo, who's now being rumored to take over as a head coach. So um, I I think that will be a, a big help for this team. But people don't give credit. I think Bill's greatness is one of the biggest reasons why this team hasn't been able to, you know, be bad and get those good players like Mike Tomlin told Chase Young one year, I hope to never be able to draft a guy like you because that means we were really bad the year before, and the Patriots haven't had that opportunity.
1: So, last thing I'll ask you on this, Devin McCord, and then we'll let you run. We'll go, let you go back to the, the daddy daycare <laughs> duties inside your palatial estate. So, I, they, hey, they're going to a top five draft pick this year. This team should be as bad as possible. Like you were just saying, I've been all on board. Tank, 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 tank. If Robert at the end of the year does say, okay, we just need a change, it's time to move on after 24 years. I'm assuming you'd be disappointed if they move on from Belichick after the season?
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing I always try not to do is say and act like I I know what it's like to be an owner. I would be disappointed because I I don't want to see that end to that come like that. I was disappointed that Tom left and went to Tampa, partly because I was still on the Patriots. <laughs> I wanted if he's going to win another Super Bowl well, I would win it with me, but also because of like how awesome it was to watch that. You would want Everything to kind of I think we all have this like picture perfect thing of like let it all end with Bill walking away and never coaching again. And but I just think like if they do walk away from him, he is going to coach. Like if he wants to coach, he's going to coach and someone's gonna take him. And I think he still is a good coach and will go win games. And I would hate to see him coaching for another team winning football games. Um, but I can't say that like I'm like, oh my goodness, this can never like I I've just been in around this league now for, you know, 14 years. You've seen crazy things happen. I mean, I sat down with Matt Patricia this year when I was in Philly, and we talked about him helping the team draft players and in the next month putting in a whole game plan (laughs) and being an offensive coordinator after being a defensive coach for the last, like, 15 or 20 years. So that was crazy. So I I anticipate and expect crazy things to happen. But, um, yes, it, it would be a little disappointing because um, I, I just don't want to see something I got to be a part of that was so great in that way.
1: I know you guys for Sunday Night Football this week have the Jets and the Raiders. We got to spice this up a little bit this week. You smoking a, a cigar <laughs> in the set before the game? Man, uh, I,
3: I texted Brian Hoyer and said, "I bet I see your old butt <laughs> down there in there coughing, <laughs> trying to smoke a cigar. Your lungs aren't ready for that. <laughs> You're just too old." But it was fun to see that Raiders team, um, you know, come and get a win like that. But I will say I went back and watched the film. It's a little easier getting ready to go and playing against the Giants right now. That Yeah, the Giants stink. That was not a good team. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what the Raiders look like following that, you know, riding that emotional high and now playing against the Jets, who, I mean, obviously didn't look great on offense either last week.
1: Devin, always great to catch up with you. Good luck. Thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it.
3: No, good to talk to you, Zach. Have a good one.
1: There he is, the great Devin McCourty, three-time Super Bowl champion, joining us right there on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. And I'm just saying, Devin's been on with us. Jason's been on with us in the past. I haven't heard from Jason in a while. I think Devin's my uh, favorite McCourty when deciding between the two twins. All right, Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. Let's get the latest update in first with the Ackman, Rich Ackerman.
4: Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: All righty, this is Zach Gilp's show on CBS Sports Radio. It's time to ask our Ask the Pros question of the day, and it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. And and State College says, Zach, what do you think about the betting spread this weekend for the Michigan Penn State game? Uh, you can submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio, or at Zach Gilp, using the hashtag Ask the Pros. And you could think O'Reilly Auto Parts are your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, I was just actually talking about this with Hot Take Hickey. And in a rare moment, Hot Take Hickey, who I have said before, is the most knowledgeable person at the network regarding college football. Now, his predictions are dog crap. But in terms of the knowledge of the sport and how much he watches the sport, I don't think anyone tops him here at CBS Sports Radio. And when going to Hickey, even though he picked LSU to not only beat Alabama, but crush Alabama this weekend, he made a great point. Because I said to him during the break, hey, and I asked the pros question, Uh, we got a question about the spread with Michigan-Penn State, and I think it's a very uh, fishy spread this weekend. And I think Michigan is by far and away the better team. I know the game is in state college, but Michigan is only a four and a half point favorite. So I was like starting to do the the wind horse finger fingers like what does this mean and what's going on here and what does this tell you because Michigan should be a a lot more than a four and a half point favorite against Michigan against Penn State and I'm looking at that. I'm like man, even though I think Michigan's going to win the game. This is Vegas begging you. Absolutely begging you to take Michigan minus the four and a half points. And then Hickey said, don't look too much into it. And I thought to myself, why? Because this is maybe on a curve because of the potential suspension. Harbaugh, he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I got excited when Penn State played Ohio State. Because in the betting world, that was in the horseshoe. It's a Penn State home game, remember now. But in the horseshoe, Ohio State was only a four and a half point favorite up against Penn State, and we know that Ohio State covered the spread. So it's a good point by Hickey. Sometimes we look at a line, we go, the line is fishy, but then look at the line for Penn State up against Ohio State, and I think Michigan's better than Ohio State, and this game is at the big house, and they're saying, all righty, it's four and a half points, and the Ohio State spread against Penn State was also four and a half points as well, and Ohio State covered. So my reaction to the spread at first was fishy, and after the the Hickey point, um, I'm okay with the spread and I'll probably end up laying the four and a half points this weekend with Michigan. Now, Stu, I have to bring this up. I read a report before we got on the air today about the Las Vegas Raiders that David Ziegler told Josh McDaniels. This was via sports illustrated that signing Jimmy Garoppolo would be a mistake. And he tried to talk him out of it. Now I know David Ziegler before the start of the season uh, did say that he's confident, Uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo will improve the Raiders. But what are you going to say publicly? So I don't know if this is just the Ziggler camp, if he even has a camp, trying to say, I'm looking for a job. The Jimmy G decision wasn't my decision. It was Josh's decision, which is funny with how close those two are. I guess when you need a job, Ziggler's going to say what he wants to say or say it through a source, whatever, someone close to him. How do you react to the whole Jimmy Garoppolo situation? Because from the start, Regardless of who wants to take the the blame for it now and all that, both guys are out. Both guys will haunt you for the foreseeable future with the mistakes that they made with this organization. But from the start, here is my take on Jimmy Garoppolo signing with the Raiders. It was underwhelming, and it wasn't going to end in a great spot because getting rid of Derek Carr was not the wrong decision. It was then replacing Derek Carr with Jimmy Garoppolo That was so underwhelming, and Jimmy Garoppolo is just not a good quarterback. And he's too brittle. He gets hurt too much. And I just think he's an average quarterback if everything goes right. And you got to remember, he's playing in a great system in San Francisco. He takes San Francisco to the Super Bowl, and then San Francisco wanted to give up on him. So looking back, what should the Raiders have done instead of uh, signing Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I don't think you're going to defend that move.
4: No, definitely not. I think they should have traded up for a quarterback whether it was cj stroud i mean looking back at it obviously i actually wouldn't have minded stroud at the time um i think they should have tried to draft a quarterback or at the very least get more of a stop gap where you're not committed two or three years like they were to garoppolo and not paying the money they were to garoppolo maybe more of like a Baker Mayfield type of guy, someone who was going to be more Garner cheap. Gardner Minshew, maybe? Yeah, a uh, cheaper guy and someone that wasn't going to cost you, someone that you're not tied to. And somewhere, if, okay, the season goes off the rails like it has, you could you know, play an Aiden O'Connell or, or someone else and it wouldn't matter.
1: Here's also the name that I'll give you. When you saw that Will Levis was falling, Even if it wasn't trading back up into the first round to get him, because they took Tyree Wilson with, what, that was the uh, seventh pick, I believe it was? I believe
4: it was seven, yeah.
1: And they didn't have another first-round pick, the Raiders. I know they've had some years, right? Wasn't that one year they had three first-round picks?
4: Yes, yeah, Yeah. they did. Yeah, Uh,
1: Josh Jacobs. Abram, uh,
4: the safety, and Cleland Farrell, the uh, defensive lineman. Two out of three were pretty uh, awful.
1: (laughs) Who was the safety again?
4: Uh, Jonathan Abram.
1: Oh, I remember. Hard Knocks with the uh, weird pronunciation of uh, Salmon. Like Salmon or something like that? Salmon
4: or Salmon, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was just weird. But once Levis falls out of the first round, I get it. At that point, they already signed Garoppolo, right? Yes. Yeah, because the draft was in April. Why didn't they just... They were sitting there at 38, and Levis goes 33rd. Why didn't they just trade up?
4: Yeah, I wasn't crazy about Levis, so I wasn't mad. I was actually worried they were going to do that. They took Michael Mayer, who they really haven't utilized too much this year so far, who has some potential, but... Yeah, they could have done that as well, We all know
1: what should have happened. They were banking on Brady going there. Brady then retires. You had to go get Rodgers. And you can't tell me that Rodgers didn't want to play there. Because Aaron Rodgers, even though he probably wouldn't have got along with Josh McDaniels, but he would have ran Josh McDaniels out of town. It would have been no problem. Adams was already there. And that's the miss by the Raiders, that they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. We out. Bye-bye. Peace.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.